I want to begin today with a question that's going to start out rhetorical, but it won't stay rhetorical. It's a question to think about for yourself, and then you'll be ready in a second to do what's next. And that question is this, what is your favorite season of the year and why? So just again, you got four options, winter, spring, summer, fall. What's your favorite season of the year and why? And what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and I want you to tell each other your answers, okay? I'll get some music for you for this. Okay, hopefully the second person's had a chance to go and you first person didn't hog the whole time. You know, one of the beautiful things about living in this area is we get to experience all four of the seasons. I grew up in Las Vegas. We really had two seasons, hot and not as hot. Um, I lived in Las Vegas. I mean, sorry, in Phoenix then it was pretty similar. But moving here, you have all four seasons. You have the winter where sometimes it, it snows out and we can't have church. Uh, then we have spring, where we all fight through the cloud of Satan, known as pollen, in the area. Now we're in summer, when everyone who lives in the more hellish sections of Arizona wants to come to Prescott. And then we have the fall, where the leaves change and everybody wants to be hanging out downtown. We have four beautiful seasons. But those seasons of the year, those seasons of creation... They teach us an important lesson, and that's that no season lasts forever. There are those winters where, like, is it ever going to be warm again? There are those summers where you're like, can I please wear a light jacket without sweating? But eventually, every season comes to an end. And in the same way that there are seasons of the year, there's also seasons in our lives. And, and part of what we are going to do today is we're going to talk about those seasons in our lives. Now, some of the seasons in our lives are cyclical. We go through them again and again and again, but there are other seasons in our lives that are only here for a moment. If you've had kids, you know that this season right here, it seems like it's going to last forever because you're exhausted. You don't know what day it is. There's no amount of coffee in the world that can make you feel more awake. But as the saying goes, the days are long, but the years are short. You, you blink, and all of a sudden, your kids are not with the, ro the funny little rolls in their ankles. They're talking back to you and saying no and asking for money. Um, some of the seasons, once they're gone, they're gone. And so today, with this kind of being the annual kickoff of summer, I know for some of you, summer started a few weeks ago. When your kids got out of school, we knew summer was coming because we started seeing everybody cancel for serving on teams and cornerstones. Okay, summer's here. But with summer being here, I wanted to talk to you as we start this season about this idea of seasons. And so today we're going to do just a single message. This is one message, not a larger series, but in some ways this is going to set up what we're going to talk about all summer long. And so the title of today's message is Spiritual Rhythms. Because in the same way that we go through seasons of winter, spring, summer, and fall in creation, I believe we go through these same kinds of seasons in our souls. And so regardless of what age you are or how long you've been following Jesus, I think that you either need this message today 
or you will need it one day. So either you need it today or you need to take notes for the day you're going to have it in the future. And some of you, as you're listening today, you're going to start thinking about somebody you know who needs this message. And so you can either tell them, hey, tune in at 1030, or you can tell them it'll be up later today. So we're going to be in a very well-known passage of Scripture this morning in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up. You know, when I was a kid, I tried to, you know, do the little test, open your Bible to the middle. And typically, I ended up in one of three books, Psalms, Proverbs, or Ecclesiastes. And so that's where Ecclesiastes is. It's in the middle of your Bible. It's after Psalms. It's after Proverbs. And if you've been around Cornerstone for a little bit, you know that we spent a whole summer in the book of Ecclesiastes in the summer of 2019. I know that's in the BC times, the before COVID times that most of us don't remember. It wasn't that long ago, but we spent a whole summer here. So if you enjoy today, go online. There's 11 or 12 sermons there you can binge and listen to um, and get a lot out of. But I want to give you a heads up while you're turning there that next Sunday, we're going to start our summer series. And so starting next Sunday for 10 weeks, we're going to look at the fruit of the spirit, which is why in some ways this is kind of like a prequel. To, to that series. It wasn't intended that way. That's just the way it works out. If you're unfamiliar with the fruit of the Spirit, in the book of Galatians, there are nine different characteristics that Paul describes that mark a person who's being led by God's Spirit. Let me see if I can remember them all in order. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay, nine. We'll walk through those nine. Now, some of you are like, Scott, you said it was a 10-week series Nine doesn't equal ten. I love you. You do good math. The, the first week, next Sunday, is actually Pentecost. It's the first, the first Sunday of June, but it's also the first Sunday that we celebrate the, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the disciples in Acts chapter 2. So we'll discuss the Spirit next week, and then we'll spend nine weeks this summer walking through those characteristics. I will just tell you, and I'm going to harp on this, so just get ready for it. There's one thing you don't see at the end of fruit. That's an S. It is singular. And we'll talk about why. It's also the same principle as the last book in the Bible, which is Revelation. Everybody calls it Revelations, but it's, it's just shun, Revelation. I'm Scott, not Scotts. If any of you call me Scott, you're calling by the wrong name. So it's fruit of the Spirit and it's Revelation. And uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm just going to stop. So if you have your Bible today, I want to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to read the first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And for those of you who are listening, that, that song choice was intentional or earlier. Turn, turn, turn. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, There is an occasion for everything, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search and a time to count as loss, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain for his struggles? I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. 
but no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. Jesus, as we begin this summer season, I pray that we would recognize with eyes wide open the way you are at work in the season we're in. I pray that none of us would miss you. And if the season we're in is a struggle today, I pray the word you speak to us from Ecclesiastes 3 meets our need where we are right on time. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. In your name we pray. You can be seated. I mentioned during ministry highlights that you may have a sermon sheet that have the QR code on it. If you're taking notes, I want to share with you today four principles about seasons in life with God. And the first one is pretty elementary. It's pretty basic. And that's that life is measured by seasons. We measure seasons on the calendar, but we also measure seasons in our life. And what this text tells us, Ecclesiastes 3, this beloved text, you may have heard it read at a funeral. You may have heard it in the lines of a song. What this text tells us is there's a time for everything, but not every time is for everything. So there's a moment in every lifetime for something, but not everything in our life is appropriate in every moment. Not every time is for everything. And that's some of our battles is sometimes we try to cram a certain thing into a time that isn't the time for that. And that's how the writer of Ecclesiastes expresses this. He says, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. The time for planting is not the time for uprooting, and the time for uprooting is not the time for planting. There's a time to tear down, and there's a time to build. There's a time for a wrecking ball, and there's a time for building a foundation, and those are different times. He, he says that basically seasons are a metaphor for life. That we talk about there being seasons in the year and times of the year that are appropriate for different things. And that same thing is true in our life. That, that we live in moments that are for certain things and not for other things. And that's some of the struggle because often what we want is we want this thing to be in this time, but then we're living in this time that isn't that time. And over the last couple of weeks, as I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about today, it's not often that I get a sermon to just kind of pick something. I spent five weeks in Ruth and then seven or eight weeks on the I Am Statements of Jesus, and now we're going to do 10 weeks on the Fruit of the Spirit. It's rare that I get one of these, these weeks. But I stumbled back into a book that I read in the BC times, again, the before COVID times, that, that I felt like a brand new book because so much of my life has changed. It's called Spiritual Rhythm by a pastor named Mark Buchanan. And, and Mark found himself on the other side of a really painful season. One of his closest friends and co-workers had died at the end of an 18-year battle with an illness. And he'd walked with this co-worker all through that. And then as a pastor, he was walking his church through the aftermath of that. And he woke up one day on the other side of it, and he realized that he cared for everyone else. But there was something going on in his own heart that he needed to care for. And he found himself, he said, in a season where God did not seem near, his relationship with God didn't seem strong, he was depressed, 
he, he didn't want to get out of bed. And he said, I feel like I am in a bit of a winter season. And in exploring that, he began to reflect on the fact that life is numerous winters, springers, springers, springs, summers, and falls. There's probably springers in there, too, where they get meshed together. But he kind of expressed what these seasons include, and these were so helpful for me. And so if you, if you go read his book and you're like, Scott, you stole a bunch of it. No, I'm telling you in advance. This is not plagiarism. This is attribution. But here's how he described winter. He says winter is a season where it's, it's a mournful season or a sorrowful season. It's a season where you embrace inactivity and rest. Now, there's a lot of us, we hate being still. We hate resting, but sometimes God, God makes us do that. There's sometimes there's seasons where we're just overwhelmed by, by heavy and dark emotions. And it isn't just our, our bodies. It isn't just our emotions. It's also our relationship with God. In the, in the book, Buchanan says, winter seems to hide God. When you're in a winter season, God doesn't seem as close. Maybe previously it seemed like he shouted when you prayed. Or you open to the Bible and words just jumped off the page at you. But when you're in a winter season, God seems distant. And it seems like the, the winter is hiding him. But eventually every winter ends. And it becomes spring. And spring is a hopeful season. You begin to see things pop up through the ground. You get ready for what's to come. The, the heaviness lifts. And Buchanan says in, in spring, God renews. So if you're in a season today where you feel like something that was dark or dormant or dead has come back to life, you could be in spring. And spring's a beautiful season. For many of you, it's your favorite season. If you have allergies like Pastor Josh out in the lobby today, you hate spring because you just carry, you know, Kleenex with you everywhere you go. And you, you're like, it's allergies. I promise it's not COVID. Then there's summer. Summer's a season of satisfaction where we delight in what's in the here and now where everything seems light and easy. What, what was like pulling teeth in winter takes no effort now. And in summer, you begin to feel fully alive again. While things seem dark and dead and dormant in the winter, it's the exact opposite in the summer. And then there's fall. Fall is a season of expectancy. You look forward to the harvest. You, you're reaping what you sowed long ago. You're, you're seeing all that effort finally come to fruition. You're, you're storing up what's been reaped. And fall is a reminder for us that God brings a harvest. It may not seem like the harvest is ever going to come. But when we are faithful to plant and we're faithful to sow, God is always faithful to bring a harvest. So again, this is the first kind of principle about seasons is that life is measured by seasons. The second principle is that every season offers unique opportunities and challenges. Pragmatically speaking, uh, winter for me is a season where I enjoy the opportunity to have a really good cappuccino. I like a really dry cappuccino that's basically mostly foam, gone in about 30 seconds. It's my favorite winter drink. And so if it's, if it's snowing and the lights are on down at the square, it's around Christmas, I will go get a really good dry cappuccino, put that raw sugar on top, and I'll walk around and look at the lights. I don't drink cappuccinos in the summer 
because I don't like sweating while I drink my coffee. I will drink iced coffee in the winter, but I will not drink hot coffee in the summer. In the summer, I go out and paddleboard on Watson Lake. I do that in May and June and July. I do not do it between Thanksgiving and Christmas because I'm not a psychopath. It's freezing cold out there, and if I fall in the water, I'm not going to take an ice bath. So, so the winter for me is a season for something, and the summer for me is a season for something, and there's unique opportunities in both. And that's what the writer's saying here. In Ecclesiastes 3, he's saying the, there's a season, there's an appropriate time to weep, and then there's a time to laugh. There's a, a time to mourn. That may be a challenge for some of you. There's a time to dance. That's a challenge for some others of you. There's a time to search and a time to count as loss, to end the search. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. For those of you hoarders, this is your verse. Just throw it away. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. There's a time to be silent. And some of us need to hear this. There's a time to be silent. And there's a time to weep. And each of those seasons has unique opportunities and challenges. And if we're in a season today that we don't want to be in, like if you're sitting here like, I I think I know what season I'm in and I don't want to be in it. We get so fixated on the challenge that we forget there's an opportunity present in that season. And for some of you who are in a season you love, you need to remember there are challenges in that season too. And the problem is, is that we often long for a season that we're not in. Like when you're in winter, you want to be in summer. Or maybe you're in summer and you're like, I really wish it was winter. You're in fall and you wish it was spring. Some of us have what I call seasonal FOMO. And that's a fear of missing out. We wish we were in somebody else's season. We see them posting their pictures on social media. We go to dinner with them. We have them over to our house. They're talking about the season they're in. And we're like, man, I really wish I was in your season and not my season. And we forget that nobody shows us the full story. We're typically seeing the opportunities and we're not seeing the challenges. There are others of us that are battling what I call seasonal guilt. You're in a great season right now. And you kind of feel bad about it. Because your friend's in a really hard season. Or maybe you're in a great season and you're just worried that season's going to end and you're going to be back in a hard season again. Brene Brown calls that foreboding joy. When you feel joy but you're kind of scared of it because you're worried about what's going to end it. And so today, there's a couple different groups I want to speak to in this section. And the first is, I just want to say to families, especially if you have kids at home still, be intentional about the season that you're in. I have a little uh, prop I'm going to show you today. In these two containers, I have 936 marbles. Can you say 936 with me? So that's basically one marble for every week if you have a child between their birth and their 18th birthday. This is all the week. 
I have a child that's turning eight this summer. So this is all I have left. And after this weekend, I'll pull one out. After next week, I'll pull another one out. And if you have kids, you know that not every week is created equal. When you have a, a child with those lovely little rolls I showed on the picture earlier, it's a different week than when your kid has a driver's license. In Psalm chapter 90, the psalmist says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we would gain the heart of wisdom. And so if you have a child, I want to encourage you to be intentional because every week a marble is coming out and they don't go back in. And so some of you are like, Scott, you're making me really depressed this morning. No, I'm trying to save you from heartache. Because, yeah, there might have been a better day to start being more intentional. But today is the next best day. Today is the best day you have to start being intentional. To start treating each day as precious and as a gift. Now, there's others of you in the room today. And you're no longer in this season. You're in a different season. And I want to encourage you to not think about your life as one giant four-part season. Your life is not when you're little, it's, you know, spring. You're a young adult, it's summer. You're middle-aged, it's fall. And then when you're older, it's winter. That's not what I'm saying. Because some of you right now are in your 60s or 70s and you're in summer. You feel a level of freedom and joy and possibility. So embrace that and be intentional about that. Because in the same way that your child has a number of weeks, you have a number of weeks left. You just don't know how many. And so I just would encourage you that there are opportunities and challenges in every season and don't get so caught up in the challenges that you miss the opportunities and don't get so caught up in the opportunities that you forget about the challenges. Number three, every season lends itself to a unique rhythm. A unique rhythm. Now, there's a lot of us that are obsessed with this word balance. If you do any work in the corporate space, the big phrase these days is work-life balance. And most of us, when we think about balance, we think about that great 80s movie, The Karate Kid. We think about <laughs> our staff was worried I was going to break my ankle up here. Um, we think about static balance. We think about, hey, how do I create a life where I am perfectly balanced? But friends, here's the thing, and I got bad news for you today. You cannot live static balance because you are not in control. Static balance is a mirage, but rhythm, rhythm is achievable. And the seasons are really a rhythm. That in each season, there are unique opportunities. And it, the challenge is making sure that you are attentive to the rhythm of the season that you are in. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, here's what the writer says. There's an occasion for everything, 
and a time for every activity under heaven. So what he means is that there's a time for the rhythm of planting, which is a different rhythm than harvesting. Now, most of us don't live in this world. Most of us have no idea where our blueberries come from. Most of us have no idea that there actually is a blueberry season that they're grown in. Most of us are used to eating our produce year-round as if it's always available. When it's only that way because of man-made creation. Creation was not intended to produce the same kind of fruit in every season. That's why it's more expensive in other seasons. There's a season of winter and a season of summer. And your rhythm in winter is very different than your rhythm in summer. You're okay to move slower, get up later, go to bed earlier in winter. But summer comes out and you're like, man, I've only got a few months. I've got to get this all in. There's a season and a rhythm when you feel really healthy and you're going to go, go, go. And then when you're sick, you embrace a slow rhythm. And if you don't, your body forces you into a slow rhythm. I mentioned a few weeks ago how many of you were, were born in Prescott and how many of you moved here and like 90% of you were, were moved here. I will just remind you, there is a season when you first moved here and there's a season when you've lived here for 10 or 20 years. There's a season of friendship. You're like, man, I don't, I don't have people to go out with every week. Yeah, you've been here for six months. It's different than people who've lived here for 50 years. There are unique rhythms. And so my question for you is, are you embracing the rhythm of your current season? Or are you fighting against it? See, even, even more silly than somebody who can't be balanced, constantly trying to create static balance, what's even harder and worse is when you're in a season and you refuse to embrace the rhythm of that season. See, some of us find ourselves fighting God and missing God because we don't like the season. Some of that may be your sense of frustration. You're like, I don't want to be here anymore. And you're not just fighting the season you're in. You're fighting God. And you're missing out on what he has for you in this season because you want to be in somebody else's season or you want to go back to the season you used to be in. We have a set of values here at Cornerstone, eight different values. We preach through them. If you come to our Rosser campus, they're on the wall. They're on our website. One of them that I come back to almost as much as any other is this one. It's surrendering to Jesus's agenda. As a church, we value this. We discuss this as a staff all the time. What does it mean to surrender to Jesus's agenda? Well, here's what we wrote. Jesus is the head of Cornerstone and we follow his leadership. We don't allow selfish agendas to drive or divide our church, practicing the discipline of surrender continually. By praying together, we release our wills and we invite God to unite us under his leadership. There's three words there, release our wills, that I want to talk to you about for just a second. Friends, releasing our wills is typically loud, messy, emotional, and slow work. It's much easier to talk about surrender than it is to practice it. When you unclench your fist and you surrender to God, it typically is loud because none of us like to do that. We scream our way through it. 
It's messy. It's emotional. And it's slow. This is what often happens in faith. We want to be in summer where it's not loud and messy and emotional. It's happy. We want to be in summer when it's fast. But it's in that releasing of our wills that we experience and embrace the rhythm God has for us and what he's doing around us. And that's why this uh, illustration with the marbles is so sobering. Because to embrace this, you have to surrender the fact that there are some some marbles that are already gone. You have to embrace the fact that you don't have all the marbles left you want to. And you have to surrender to the fact that, that you may not be in the season that you want to be in. That's in the past. But if you can surrender that, you can embrace the season that you're in and what God has for you. So my encouragement is not to get dark and depressed. My encouragement is to embrace where God has you and not miss what he wants to do. Here's the final one. Each season invites trust. Each season that you're in invites you to trust God more. The truth is, God is uniquely present with us in each season. God is not more present in summer than he is in winter. He's not less present in spring than he is in fall. He's just uniquely present in each of those seasons. It looks and feels different. In Ecclesiastes 3, this passage ends this way. The writer says, yes, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. There's beauty in winter, there's beauty in spring, there's beauty in summer, there's beauty in fall. But they're different beauties. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. No one can see the fullness of what God is doing. We're just in this little small season. And so it's an invitation to trust. If you're in winter today, let me speak to you. In winter, God often seems hard to see and hear within the darkness. And so you can't trust what you see and hear. You have to trust who you know God to be from the clarity and the things you heard in a previous season. When you're in spring, if you're in spring today, you, you have to allow God to renew things that were dead. And you have to trust him that he is going to bring those things back to life and they may look different than the last time they were alive. If you're in summer today, the invitation is for God to invigorate full life and allow things to be light and easy. Some of us are so used to things being heavy and hard, we kind of make them that way all the time. And sometimes there are seasons God leads us into and it doesn't feel like work. And that's okay, it's a gift. So allow that. And then in fall, God brings a harvest and he reminds us that we reap what we sow. So in each season, there's an invitation to a unique kind of trust. But truthfully, I will tell you that trusting God is much easier in spring and summer and fall than in winter. Having lived through all four of these seasons, again and again and again, I will tell you the hardest season to trust God in is winter. 
And one of the reasons is that winter can feel like winter. And I don't know about you. I don't like feeling that way. I don't like feeling out of control. I don't like feeling like God is distant. I don't like things that were easy becoming hard. I don't like slowing down. I don't like being still. And I sure as heck don't like letting go. But there is a gift in this reading. Pastor and author Jonathan Fakluda says, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is inevitable. God's goal for you and for me is for us to fully and completely depend on him. And sometimes being strong is an obstacle to that goal. Our big idea today is this. Each season invites us to trust in and depend on God. And if every season is an invitation to trust in and depend on God, then being weak can facilitate that in ways that strength cannot. So I have some next steps for you today. Now you may notice on the image here, I don't typically have an image, there's two people here. And that's because from here on out, you are in charge of whether or not this is a good sermon. And I will encourage you, you're going to need help. This is a sermon that begs a conversation. So if you're watching from home, when you tune me, turn me off in a little bit, with the person you're with, I'd encourage you to go on a walk and have a conversation about these next steps. With the people you're here with, I'd encourage you on the drive home or over brunch or later today, to have a conversation about these things because sometimes it's hard to understand and see all the things that God is doing and sometimes it takes somebody from the outside. Two next steps today. The one that's first is a little multifaceted though. The first next step is to discuss the following five questions with someone you trust. So here's the first question. What season am I currently in? Fall, spring, summer, winter. What's the season you're in today? If you had to pick one, what season are you in? And if you don't know, maybe ask them what they see. Number two, what opportunities or challenges does this season provide for me? Again, some of you are in a season and all you can see are the challenges and you need somebody from the outside to go, hey, there's opportunities here. And some of you need people who remind you, hey, there's some challenges here that you're missing. And if they're in your blind spot, if anything's in your blind spot, it can hurt you. Third, what rhythm do I need to embrace in this season? Maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you need to speed up. Maybe you need to pull closer to people. Maybe you need to be okay with being by yourself. Fourth, what is God doing in this season? And if you say nothing, I get the emotion. <laughs> I get the vibe. But I'd encourage you to look harder and get some help. And then the last one, how can I cooperate more with God? Instead of fighting him, how can I cooperate so that's the first one. I know it's a long next step, but it's having a conversation with somebody around those, those five questions. The second next step is to make a plan as a family for this emerging summer season. Sometimes what happens is if you're in a season you don't want to be in or it's not going like you expect, you kind of give up making plans. 
And I'd encourage you that this summer season of the year is a great season to be intentional with. Yesterday as a family, I knew this was coming. So as a family, this is how we practiced it. We sat down at the dinner table after dinner. I had one of those big post-it notes you can put on the wall. Everybody got a little set of post-it notes and we answered the question, what are you looking forward to doing this summer? And so this is our list. All the things our kids contributed, things they wanted to do, things I wanted to do. And so if you're here as a family, I'd encourage you to have like a family meeting this week. If you go, well, it's just me. We'll have a meeting with you or maybe invite your friends and say, hey, what would make this a winning season? What would make this a great summer? Now, if you're a parent, here's the motto I use with my kids. Everybody gets a voice. Not everybody gets a choice. Because some ideas cost money and our kids have no concept of how much things cost. So uh, I retained that choice piece. But they contributed things I would have never thought of. Some of them that were free, that were great ideas. And so I'd encourage you, make a list. If you've got a student out in the lobby today, we have our student summer calendar. What's happening with our students this summer, it's also on our website. We'd encourage you to grab one if you've got a student in your life. But more than anything else, here's what I want to leave you with today. The hope that you have is twofold. God is present in every season. And we serve a God who wastes no season. So you may not be in the season you want to be in, not going to last forever and God's present with you and looking back what you're going to see is that God didn't waste this season he was at work it just may take you a little bit I hope that you will not waste but rather embrace the season you're in today let's pray Jesus we thank you so much for meeting us where we are in And as the seasons of the year change, we move into summer, it gets hotter. Some of us begin to travel. Some of us are already traveling. We pray that we would not miss you. We pray that we would not get so frustrated in the season that we're in that we don't recognize you're at work and we somehow miss it. We pray that we wouldn't be so caught up, Jesus, by the busyness around us that we just fly through a season without any intentionality, without any presence. We pray, Jesus, that, 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 that you would teach us to number our days. And we pray that we would gain a heart of wisdom. For those of us who today maybe are feeling a sense of guilt or shame or regret, because of what's in the rearview mirror that we can't get back. Jesus, we pray that we would remember that your grace covers a multitude of sins. And that if we find ourselves looking over our shoulder at what's gone, we'll miss where we are and what lies ahead. So we pray that you'd work in our hearts in those places that we feel heavy or are struggling to forgive pray that we'd experience your grace and it would move us into this season. We love you. We thank you. 
And we pray that we would see you work in a mighty way in this season. We're in it today.